Most of my focus and work with trust was in building trust within organizations and trust in general. The same framework and models apply to building trust in every relationship. But several things happened to me lately that made me focus on one of the branches of that work. In a conference I was speaking at, a senior executive approached me and said, that's all great, but can we sell more with trust? To me, the answer was clear. Of course you can. And not only that you can sell more with trust, but you can even command higher prices with trust and increase customer loyalty. Actually, the first book I wrote that had the word trust in its title, the first one in the series, Can I Trust You?, had the subtitle 50 plus one habits that will make you a trustworthy salesperson. The other thing that happened was that within days, Thinkers360 named me as one of the top 50, actually number 12, global thought leaders on trust, on, on sales, I'm sorry, and one of the top 50, number 17, on customer loyalty for 2023. And the last thing that happened was that I saw a significant increase in demand for one of my keynotes that I call Win With Trust, Not Low Price. How to sell more, raise prices, and increase loyalty. Customer loyalty, that is. So in this episode, I will start with some of the higher level, more strategic perspectives of why trust is so important for sales and, and for customer loyalty. In later episodes, I will go down and dirty into specific tips about being a more trusted salesperson. Right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? I'm going to start by going back to uh, one of my earlier surveys I did on trust in general. And, and this is before that was my main topic. I asked a simple question, what is the most important quality for you in other people? And I asked about six types of people, six types of relationships. I asked about uh, what is the most important quality for you in your boss, in your employees, in uh, your peers, in a salesperson trying to sell you something, in your government representative, and in your spouse, the number one quality was trustworthiness, 61.2% of the time. And that's compared to the willingness to work hard, the willingness to, to uh, take risk, uh, intelligence, and believe it or not, one of the factors ended up being, uh, based on the feedback that I got, ended up being good looks. So 61.2% was trustworthiness. So two in three people, kind of, uh, when asked what, what is the most important quality for you in all those six relationships in average would say it's trustworthiness. But you know what the highest was? The highest percentage? It was when I asked about salespeople. Because 77.4%, more than three out of every four people would say that the most important quality for them in a salesperson is trustworthiness. By the way, the second one was spouse with 77.2% and boss was uh, the next one with, uh, I think the next one, with 60%. 
So trustworthiness of a salesperson trying to sell you something was more, more important to you than it was than trustworthiness was important to you in your boss or even in your spouse, although that's a, a pretty small difference. So trustworthiness is the most important quality for you in salespeople. And it's more important for you in salespeople than in any other relationship that you have, at least of those six that I presented. But, you know, I like to uh, ask people to put their money where their mouth is. So I went with another survey, uh, knowing that people said that trustworthiness is more important. And really, I wanted to know if there's any premium, any trust premium. So here's what I asked. I decided I chose really only one um, industry or or one scenario. And and by the way, just so that you know, I'm about to launch another uh, more than a survey, another research to to correlate the the components I'll talk about uh, in, in a few minutes. But here's the scenario that I gave. You want to remodel your home. And after some research you've done online or talk to people, you narrow down the list of possible contractors to two. You invited both of them to your house to give you a quote. Now, we're talking about roughly a $10,000 project, okay? Which, unfortunately, every couple of years, I find that I have to do myself at my home. Contractor A comes in. They're the owner of the company, been in business for 20 years, listens carefully to what you need, makes suggestions, even prevents you from ordering what you don't need, even though they could make more money off of it. So it's like, you know, you want to do something and they go, you know, there is something else you can do here that would actually end up being cheaper and better. And so so instead of saying, oh, yeah, definitely do that because I'm going to make more money. They seem to do a very thorough job measuring and estimating the, the work that needs to be done. So, you know, without actually spelling out the components, the different components of uh, trustworthiness, my my relative trust model. Without spelling it out, I describe the person that meets uh, all of those or ranks high on all of those. Then contractor B comes in. Contractor B is represented by a salesperson, not the owner, appears to be very motivated to close the deal at a high price as possible, spends time telling you how the competitors are bad, uh, doesn't seem to be listening to you very much, uh, and appears very arrogant. You know, again, I'm, I'm looking at all the components of my relative trust model, and I gave this person a pretty uh, low grade on, on all of those components. Then they both come back, and both are asking for exactly the same price, $10,000 for that job. There's no difference in what they're offering, in how they're offering it, in the warranty or everything else that they're promising is exactly the same and the price is exactly the same, $10,000. Which one would you hire to do the job? Now, when I ask this, people go, uh, is is there a trick somewhere? Is, is this a trick question? No, not a trick question, serious question. Which one would you hire to do the job? And so once people realize I'm, I'm not trying to trick them into something, they go, well, obviously the trustworthy one, the first one, A. Well, they, they don't typically call it the trustworthy one, but A, I'm, we're going to hire A. Okay, fine. You know, that reminds me of a joke uh, that uh, two friends are in the forest and uh, all of a sudden a bear starts chasing them. They start running and one of them stops and puts, down, puts on uh, his running shoes. 
his friend who's who's still barefoot goes why do you need the running shoes you you think that with those running shoes you're going to outrun outrun a bear and the friend looks at him and says i don't need to outrun the bear i need to outrun you so if you're going to choose the trustworthy salesperson over the other one, the trustworthy salesperson gets 100% of the time of, of the business, 100%. So instead of them being, if trust was not a factor, if price was the only factor, then you would say, since they're asking for exactly the same price, there is a 50-50 chance that uh, you're going to choose one of them, either one of them. But if trust is a factor, then you're going to choose one over the other. Is it 60-40? Is it 70-30? Well, what the survey told me was it was 100 to 0. You get 100% of the business by being more trustworthy than the other salesperson. Okay, fair enough. What if the trustworthy contractor A uh, salesperson asked for 10% higher price, 11000 compared to 10000 by contractor B, who was characterized as less trustworthy? I was still at 100%. 100% of the people said they would go with the trustworthy one. A 10% higher price. What about 20%? Well, at 20%, it started shifting. At 20%, 58%, still more than half, said definitely they will choose contractor A, the trustworthy one. They're willing to pay $12,000 compared to $10,000 to the other one they don't trust. 33% said they don't know anymore. They didn't say that we're not going to do it. They just said, we don't know anymore, which I took as in this range, half of it goes to A, half of it goes to B. 7% said they will go with B, the cheaper one, and 2% said they're not going to do the project. They're not willing to pay an extra $2,000 for trustworthiness, and they're not willing to go with, an, with someone they don't trust. So 2% will not do the project. But 58% would still go with the trustworthy one at 20% price premium. Or maybe I should start calling it trust premium. Then I went up to 50%. At 22% of the people still said, and, and I'm rounding, 22% of the people still said, we're going to go with A, the trustworthy one. So I'm willing to pay 15000 for someone I can trust to someone I can trust, then pay 10000 to someone I can't. That's pretty significant. 38% said, we're not sure, we're somewhere in the middle. So again, I would take half of it and uh, give it to A and half give to B. 15% said, we're going to go with the cheaper one, even though we don't trust them very much. 25% said, we're not doing the project period. Now, if I weigh all of this in, I get a pretty interesting number. 29.6%. Remember that number, 29.6%. Because here's... <laughs> Here's how you use it in a sentence. A trustworthy salesperson would get 100% of the business from an untrustworthy salesperson if they sell for the same price, but they can raise their price by 29.6% to be head-to-head -head with someone who's selling for less, the cheaper one that's not trustworthy. 29.6%. That's the price. That's the trust premium. 
That's the premium on average people are willing to pay for trust. By the way, if you look at it the other way around, and this is uh, typically what do you do if you're trying to sell and they're not buying, you're starting to lower the price. This is the typical approach, start to lower the price. So hopefully, I'm, I'm going to convince you that there is a better approach and that's start increasing trust. But if you lower the price, that's 22.8%. You need to discount yourself. If you're not trusted by the customer and your competition is trusted by the customer, you have to reduce your price on average by 22.8% to be considered, to be on a 50-50 chance that they're going to buy from you. Hopefully, it's obvious to you that there are factors that affect that price premium. And in the example that, that I used here, I only used one scenario, and that was home renovation. And, and in the study that I'm starting to do now, I'm actually including all the different factors to see how they impact the trust premium. So the, the first one is, uh, the first factor is, can you do the job yourself? That's the easiest way to, to describe it. Um, but, but a better way is, how complex is it? Can you monitor the work as it's being done? Can you stop them if they're doing something wrong? If the answer is yes, it's it's pretty simple, not complex, and, and you can monitor it and you can tell if they're not doing the right job, then the premium is actually lower. So you have a bigger probability of uh, choosing the uh, low trust, the, the less trusted salesperson because the price is lower, because you know if, if the work is not done well, you can stop it. There's not going to be any damage. The second component is what part of the budget does it represent? So, you know, I talked about a $10,000 project. The question is, uh, how much money do you have in the bank right now? Uh, that, that's price elasticity. The, the, the bigger part of your budget that that represents, the more you're going to want to have a trusted salesperson or you're going to go with a trusted salesperson or, or a trusted company. The smaller part of your budget that it represents, uh, you're going to feel more comfortable going with the uh, the uh, uh, less trusted, uh, the the less trusted one. The next one is: Is it a long-term relationship or not? Um, the longer the relationship needs to be, the more emphasis, the more premium you're going to put on trust. And long-term relationship doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to buy the same thing over and over, but uh, typically it means, uh, will there be good service? Will there be good support? Can you trust that that's going to happen? That relates a little less to the salesperson uh, than, than to the company uh, or even the product itself. However, you have to remember that the salesperson is a representative. It's the proxy to the company and the product. Your trust in the salesperson is transactional right now at the moment that they're selling. And that's what gives you the confidence or lack thereof in the company, in the product, in the service they're going to provide and in the support that they're going to provide. And the last one, and this is a biggie, uh, what are the consequences of the wrong decision? Uh, so I'll start by saying the bigger, the higher the consequences are, the more dire the consequence, the negative consequences are, uh, the more um, the more premium you're going to put on trust. So you know, here I'll, I'll give you a few examples. Uh, let's say that uh, 
you're going to ask them to, the, the project is to paint a room in the house. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, the worst thing that can happen is that um, they're going to, I don't know, they're going to screw it up. It's it's going to be the wrong color. It's not going to be very clean or what. What's the worst that can happen? You're going to have to have somebody do it again. You're probably going to sue them, try to get your money back. Doesn't matter, but that's the consequence. You're going to have to do it again, period. What if you're trying to do a medical procedure that is out of network for your insurance your insurance doesn't cover it so it's coming out of your pocket you know i'll 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 take it even a step further it's not on you it's on one of your kids okay because we're going to care more about our kids than, than about ourselves typically um so how important is that you can trust the physician the surgeon if they're charging a higher price than, than another surgeon, you know, and, and I had to make those decisions uh, in the past a couple of times. And I'll tell you one thing, you put a much, much, much higher um, premium on being able to trust who's going to do that because the consequences of making the wrong decision here are way, 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 way bigger. We also need to remember, you know, if I go back to the investment of a thousand dollars, um, if, if I use an example of, of investing $1,000 when you have $1,000 in the bank or whether you have a million dollars in the bank, it, it's, again, that it's relative, that the consequences are not the consequences of the risk, but they're really the fear of the consequences that is personal. I, I know I, I sound a little academic, uh, sounded a little academic now. Uh, let me make it simple. Um, if I and to invest $1,000 and all I have is $1,000 in the bank, then obviously the consequences are a lot more dire to me if you lose that investment, you being the investment advisor, than if I had a million dollars in the bank and the worst that can happen is that you lose the $1,000 that I invested with you. So the magnitude of the consequences the the objective consequences might be the same losing a thousand dollars but the fear that we have of it is different based on our own context and our own uh situation so that that differs for different people and that that's worth uh, finding out uh, in the research as well if you're a salesperson I'm going to ask you a question now that that is unfair. Well, it's unfair if you answered it publicly. But if I asked you as a salesperson, what percentage of your customers trust you? What would you say? You know, and and I'll tell you that in in those keynotes, I'm going to ask that question. I'm going to ask people to raise their hand, salespeople, raise your hand if you think that your customers trust you. Most of the time, we'll stick with most of the time. What percentage do you think will raise their hands? Is it going to be 100%, 50%? Probably not less than 50%. I tried it a couple of times. I was at about 80%. I mean, nobody wants to not raise their hand, right? 2016, HubSpot did a research. The answer to that question, what percentage of people consider salesperson to be trustworthy? 3%. I found another research, I don't remember where, that put it at about 
Well, that's great. Less than one in five people think that the salesperson is trusted. By the way, what one one thing that was great in that study, uh, the 2016 study that HubSpot, HubSpot did, was that they compared different um, different jobs, different positions. Uh, so, so it's not that trust sale, uh, the level of trust you have in salespeople is three percent, and we can't compare it to anything else. So, just so that you know, doctors forty nine percent. I would have thought that it was higher. I think Pew Research did uh, another study like that. The number was higher, but you know, relative to three percent, firefighter forty eight percent, teacher thirty eight, nurse thirty six. Dentist 19. I don't know why dentist less than a doctor, but but it's 19. And it would be interesting to know why. But salesperson is is 3%. Stockbroker, by the way, 2%. Not going to be surprised if I told you that politician is 1% and lobbyist is less than 1%. Oh, and car salesman, uh, 1%. And, and I'll tell you something. I once was going to buy a car and I sat with a salesperson who was so arrogant, so didn't care about what I had to say, was so certain that uh, he's doing me a favor by selling that car to me that I just walked away. And I asked people, because it was a specific brand that I wanted to buy, who would they recommend as a salesperson? They recommended somebody else. I sat down with that person and he cared he listened. He did things that I knew were above and beyond to give me what I needed. Um, and I trusted him and I bought that car from him. And later, when I replaced that car, three years later, when the lease ran out, I replaced that car with a car from the same brand. And by the way, a brand that I trust very much. So it was really down to the salesperson. And it was the same dealership. So it wasn't the, the brand. It wasn't the dealership. It wasn't the car. It was the salesperson. And the next time that, that I, three years later, when I decided to buy another car from the same brand, same dealership, I went to that salesperson. And, and when I say went, I called him. I told him what I needed. I looked at their inventory online. I gave him the VIN, the, the vehicle identification number for a specific car. And I bought that car before I, even, I, I ever drove it. I, came, I, I just trusted him. The first time I did my test drive was uh, when he already filled some of the paperwork and then I signed some of it and some needed to be processed. So we had like 10, 15 minutes and he said, why don't you take the car on a drive? That was the first time I saw the car. That's trust. That's the value of trust. But uh, research shows that 3% of people considered salespeople to be trusted, uh, trustworthy. Now, I'm going to add to that something, and that is why. Why is that happening? Well, there are two phenomena that, that are happening now. One of them is called, uh, so I separate them by calling them spam and scam. So spam with a P, scam with a C. Spam is, and this is my definition. It's not a dictionary definition or anyone, and, and other people will define it differently. This is how I define them. Okay, so spam to me, and, and all in the context of, I should say, trying to get money from me, okay? Spam is when you're trying to get money from me and give me something in return that you may believe is worth the amount of money, just that I don't need it, I don't think that the value is worth it or what, but you're trying to sell it to me anyway. You know, all those calls that you get, I don't know what percentage of them are spam versus scam, but uh, you get calls that are 
I'm going to say they're legitimate because they're really trying to sell you something. They don't listen to you. They don't care. They go straight into the pitch and, and all. But but really, they are trying to sell. So at the end of the day, if you take them on it, the, nobody's stealing your identity or anything else. They're just they're selling you something that you don't need. It's just they don't care that you don't need it. That's that's what I put under the category of spam. Scam on the other, and by the way, uh, there was, uh, I, if I remember correctly, the recent numbers on what percentage of uh, those uh, of calls that we get, or texts that we get, are spam. Those numbers are more than fifty percent. Scam is when they're trying to get my money without giving me anything in return. So this is really, this is crime. This is criminal. They're not planning to give me anything they pretend to be giving me something you know it started with the nigerian prince right i have 10 million dollars for you i need to transfer them to your account but i need you to send me three thousand dollars first so i can get the wheels in motion obviously all they want to do is get the three thousand dollars from you or the calls that you get or texts or or any other messages that you get that say um you know, I'm trying to buy some and pretend to be somebody, which is already uh, identity uh, identity theft. They're stealing the identity of somebody else by pretending to be them, somebody you know, asking you for a favor. Go to uh, you know Walmart, buy a few uh, Google gift cards, scratch the numbers, uh, scratch the the uh, yeah, scratch the cards, and give me the numbers. It's not real. It's a scam. They're trying to take your money without giving you anything in return. Those things are continuously and significantly on the rise. And because of that, when somebody calls me, I don't know if it's real, if it's something that I really need, or is it spam? It's something that I don't need. Or is it scam? They're just trying to take my money and maybe steal my identity or anything. But they really are trying to... Um, they're not trying to give me anything. That That is criminal. Because those numbers are so much on the rise, the trust that I have in salespeople in general is on the decline. And, you know, the eight laws of trust... The eighth law, eighth law of trust is that the level of trust that I have in you is the product of your trustworthiness, no doubt about that, but the product of your trustworthiness and my trustfulness, my willingness to trust other people or salespeople in particular or salespeople who call me in particular. And because of that, because of that decline, you may be trustworthy and I'm still not going to trust you. And, and that makes the importance of your trustworthiness even higher. Another study that Pew Research did uh, was, uh, in one of the questions was, most people can't be trusted. Most people cannot be trusted. And they wanted to see how the answer to that varies with age. And so 29% of people age 65 and above 29% agreed with the statement, most people cannot be trusted. So one in three people, age 65 and above, said most people can't be trusted. 60% of people 18 to 29 years old said most people can't be trusted. Now, this is, you know, as the older generations go away 
as being buyers. The newer generations come in as being buyers. So the newer generations trust salespeople or most people in this study less than the older generations. I'll end with one more piece of research done by Salesforce, the company Salesforce. Uh, Salesforce Research uh, did a study, and what they found was that 95% of customers say they're more likely to be loyal to a company they trust. And I'll talk about loyalty, customer loyalty, uh, in a few minutes. So 95% admit that they're going to be loyal to a company they trust. So there is a correlation between loyalty and trust. But 54% of the customers don't believe that companies have their best interest in mind, which is a major part of being trusted. So if 54% don't believe companies have their best interest in mind and therefore they don't trust them, they're not going to be loyal to those companies. Those are things to consider. This is what makes for the trust premium of a salesperson. Now, without it being too academic, I want to talk about the model that I'm going to be using uh, for the research that, that I'm starting now on the premium of trust, of uh, the trust premium for salespeople. So how do people make decisions, make buying decisions? So I, I'm going to, without having any visuals, I'm going to try and visually describe this to you. So we start with it really starts with the product itself, the product or the service, so call it product desirability. And that is the value to price ratio compared to other products in the market. Okay? So are you getting more value per dollar than you did from other products or other things that you're going to be buying? So that, and, and there is a unique value, and this is something that I teach in my entrepreneurship class, that there is a unique, your product has to have unique product, a unique, your product has to be unique and offer unique value to a unique set of customers. So what is important to one customer is not important to another one. And, you know, think about cars. Some people care about certain features, certain values that a car brings, like maybe performance, while others care more about safety and others care more about other things. And I know you're thinking price, but price is different. Price is in the denominator. Uh, the price elasticity, at least, is in the denominator. So how important is price? So we start with that. We make a decision. It starts with that, the product itself, whatever we know about the product. But then a big, big part of the decision is the salesperson. The salesperson is the proxy to the company, to the product, to everything else. Their trustworthiness. You know, my, my relative trust model is made of two groups of components. The before, the what I know about you before, and the during, the what you do during the interaction with me. And those include, you know, what, what I know about you before and, and actually even during is your competence. So just as an example, what, what does competence mean? Well, uh, how well do you know the product? How many of my questions you answer with, I don't know, and, and by the way, uh, if you give me an answer and I know that it's a bullshit answer, then that doesn't contribute to your competence and or trustworthiness. Keep in mind, the trust is in general transferable. That's the fifth law of trust, that if the 
somebody else told me I can trust you. Like in the case of I was telling you about the car that I was buying, somebody else recommended that salesperson. And I trusted her. She trusted the salesperson, so I trusted the salesperson. Uh, personality compatibility. Then, so that's that's a significant uh, part. So, uh, is the personality of the salesperson compatible with mine? You know, do they focus on things that I care about as opposed to things I don't care about because they care about them? The symmetry, the uh, the empathy that they show me. Uh, you know, the, uh, are they on my side? And that, that that's important because a lot of salespeople. Uh, come in and uh, either they're not on my side, so I feel that they're just trying to get the sale done, or they pretend to be on my side, and that leads me to the next component, which is no BS. <laughs> you know, uh, I can I can smell BS. Most people can smell BS well enough. And so, if a salesperson comes in and he's like, "I'm on your side, I'm on your side," but you don't believe that, that doesn't build trustworthiness. That kills trustworthiness. Um, but empathy in general, do, do they listen to me? Do, do they care about what I care? Uh, do they, even if they personally don't care about it, but they care about the fact that I care about it and they offer me things that they go around, they, you know, just listening to, to understand rather than just to, you know, give me answers like, um, Stephen Covey said. And of course, then there's the brand and the company, uh, which the salesperson is a um, proxy for. Okay, so now that trustworthiness is also, I would say, multiplied, but there's really that the trust premium that I talked about. How important is the trustworthiness of the salesperson to warrant a premium or, or even to just make the decision between two? The components that come in here, I already talked about them before. Their price elasticity. What what is the amount of money relative to my budget, to what I have in the bank? That plays a role in the premium I'm willing to give. The less elastic the price is, the the more sensitive I am to changes in price. The more emphasis I'm going to put on, or I should say, the less emphasis I'm going to put on trustworthiness, the more I'm going to put on price. If this is a long-term relationship, if service, customer support, and things like that matter, or multiple purchases from the same person, I'm going to put more emphasis on trustworthiness versus if this is a one-time deal, if this is a transaction and done. The consequences, the severity of the consequences. And then, you know, I talked about the controllability. Can I control or, or the complexity? Is it too complex what they're doing for me? Uh, that that you know I, I'm not going to be able to uh, get out of it early. So that would affect the premium, the trust premium, uh, trustworthiness premium of the salesperson, which means I'd, I'd be willing to pay more to buy from that person than from another person, um, and that's the trust premium. The next is the buyer trustfulness in people in general in salespeople in particular, in a specific type of sale, like over the phone, over the internet, versus in person. So those play a role. Uh, the next is uh, now what you get after you multiply all of those, you, you really get the level of trust that they have in the salesperson. And the outcome is the purchase decision. 
I decide to buy, I decide to buy from you, or I decide to buy from somebody else or not from you. This is it for today. As I said, I'm going to go and I went over the higher level model, the uh, model of what makes us trust one salesperson over another. The important part is why is this important? And it's important for several reasons. One is because there is a premium that you can charge. Two, and I haven't talked about that uh, yet. Uh, I talked about that actually in a few previous episodes, and that is the level of trust is important to having a long-term loyal customers. Trusting customers are loyal. Actually, I did mention it with the uh, Salesforce uh, research, the 95% number uh, where customers said that they're going to be loyal to a company that trusts. 95% of them said they're going to be loyal to a company that they trust. So this is important. and, you know, if you're selling at the same price, trustworthiness uh, versus untrustworthiness is uh, the make or break of getting 100% of the business, not just, uh, you know, a 29.6% premium, which is significant, by the way. And, and one more thing to think about, the price premium is a price premium. The trust premium is a price premium, not a profit premium. So if you are selling something for gross margin, so 50% is your cost, 50% is your profit of 100% of the price, and you get 29.6% price premium, that's the equivalent to 59.2% premium on your profit. 59.2% premium on your profit. And that's a big deal. It's, It's always a bigger premium on the profit than it is on the price. But uh, the other thing is that trust is declining. Trust in salespeople is very low. The importance of you understanding uh, trust, being trusted as a salesperson is critical. It is critical to your customers. They told you that it's 77.4%. The most important quality in a salesperson is trustworthiness. And beyond that, because we have so much scam and spam and an overall declining trust in general, part of it is generational, already dropped by half between generations, the importance of you being trustworthy is much higher than if trust was blind and, and very, very high. Then your trustworthiness itself uh, would have played a bigger, a, a smaller role, but it doesn't. Trustworthiness is at an all-time low, and therefore trustworthiness has to compensate for that. As I promised, in uh, this was a little, I'm not going to say academic, but I am launching a new study of, of the topic of the, the trust premium and uh, what is it that makes a salesperson more trusted compared to others. I, I already have some of the information from previous surveys that I did. I just want to do a more detailed one this time. And I'll share with you findings as I find them. Of course, it's going to take time. But in future episodes, every now and then, maybe every other episode, I'm going to throw an episode with a few tips to salespeople on how to be more trusted as a salesperson. Between now and then, may trust be with you. This was The Trust Show. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. 
email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.